Get your name standing a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the privilege that we have of being assembled together one more night this side of the coming of the Lord. And may we live and act tonight and do and accept just as we would if this was the last night. Grant it, Lord, if there be any here who doesn't know thee and the pardoning of their sins, the blessed Holy Spirit that has not filled their lives until this time, may this be the night that they receive him. Grant it, Lord. And may also every sick and afflicted person be healed of their diseases tonight and show your great hand to heal the sick and to save the lost. Grant it, Lord, for we ask it in Jesus' name, thy beloved Son. Amen. May be seated. for the privilege of being back in the church again tonight. I believe one said once, I was happy when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And this is a privilege that's, that's rare to us all, to assemble together to serve the Lord Jesus. And now I believe the engineer on this may, I may hope I'm not too loud. Can you hear me all right? And <clears throat> can you hear me over there? Would you step it up just a little bit over who's on this? the engineering end of these microphones, if you will. I don't talk too loud, and so I guess it's kind of hard sometimes to hear. Now, is that better? Can you hear that all right now? Well, that's fine. Up in the balcony, all right? Well, that's good. All right. Now, our friend, Brother Madsen uh, Bose was speaking this afternoon, and and on the road over tonight, they told me I had a wonderful message. So you people that were here were privileged to hear the message. And so we pray that you'll trust that if possible, you'll be out tomorrow afternoon to hear his message again. I think his services begins around 2 or 3 o'clock, something like that. They probably already announced it. Joseph, as I call him, I've known him for a long time. And I know him to live like he preaches. So that's the main thing. You know, I'd rather you'd live me a sermon and preach me one. It's a lot better to be lived and than it is to be preached. It takes a real servant of God to live one, but most anyone that preaches, uh, besides myself, can maybe preach one once in a while. So we are trusting to the Lord tonight to bless each one. And uh, I just heard that Brother Jack Cole isn't too well yet. And I certainly do pray that God will heal Brother Jack Cole. Uh, uh, I can think of Brother Jack as a, many of you know him as he looks today, but when I first seen him, he was a little skinny boy. And he, I was at San Antonio, Texas, and he was the most curious little fellow I ever seen when he couldn't understand the callings of things of God. So one night on the road out, he said, Barry, uh, I want to ask you something. He just take me from the platform. And of course, then, it's just when the anointing is leaving. It ain't bad while it's there or when you're out of it, but it's in between the times is what it does. Anyone who knows the scripture knows what that means. And uh, Mr. Kidson, a few of the brethren were taking me from their place. and. And uh, Brother Jack said, 
Boy, tell me what's wrong with this woman here, and I'll believe you. <laughs> I said, sir, the Lord doesn't work like that, you see. I said, he doesn't. It was one time, he said, come off the cross, and I'll believe you. It was one time, he said, turn these stones into bread, and I'll believe you. One time, he put a rag over his face and hit him on the head, said, tell, you, tell us who done it, and we'll believe you. I said, God doesn't do it that way. He said, sir, I'm just curious. I said, that's right. Now, the woman that you have has a tumor in her side. I said, and the only thing that matters you, you're just a little curious preacher. You don't understand this, but someday you'll be out on the field preaching the gospel and praying for the sick. That was the beginning of Jack Cole. He left from right there. And tonight, he lays very ill with polio in his lungs, I think, and very, very bad. And now, Brother Jack, as I know, in the foreign fields where we deal with leprosy and everything, and Brother Jack has had to face lots of sickness and things, and that no one can really, truly, outside of God, appreciate a man that goes before every kind of thing like that. <clears throat> so, I think before we start the service, would you just bow our heads for a word of prayer for Brother Jack? <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, it's with bowed hearts that we come before thee tonight, this lovely church here in Brooklyn, to offer our sincere thanks to thee for Brother Jack Cole and for his ministry and for the things that he has done for thee and in thy name. And now, Father, he stands just at the point of death. Oh, great Holy Spirit, Will you deliver our brother? We pray the prayer of faith to the best of our knowledge. And we pray that you will manifest your great healing power. And Father, if it be possible, I pray that you will give a vision of what to go tell Brother Jack as we leave immediately. And I pray thee to be merciful to him and to spare his life thinking of his good works and of his things that he has did for thy kingdom, the orphanage of the poor little children that without papas and mamas, and oh God, if, if the enemy takes him, what will happen to that school? God will think of his own family, the work of the Lord. Be merciful to Brother Jack. And I pray that right now that the Holy Spirit Spirit will take over, drive away the polio, may his lungs begin to breathe back and forth normally. Granted, Lord, we humbly offer you this prayer, Lord, with all the faith that we have, believing that you will answer us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. He said, Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. And I pray that it will be answered in that way for the glory of God. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> By keeping you a little late last evening, I will try to maybe a little shorter this evening, and I want to read just a verse of scripture from the Old Testament in Second Kings, the second chapter, and the twenty I mean the thirteenth verse. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that had fallen to the ground, 
and he went and stood by the Jordan. And now, for a text tonight, I would like to use this as a text of second-handed robe, and then for um, and for uh, a subject standing by the Jordan. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. And in doing so, bring faith to the audience. I suppose we're about the same audience that was here last evening, so we understand how to approach God, as I explained it last night, on how to come to him and about the operation and what Jesus Christ has raised from the dead, and he's alive tonight, and he's just the same yesterday, today, and forever. On the subject tonight, as a way of knowing that you people here have a very good pastor, a good preacher, and I know you're used to preaching, and I feel very small to stand behind the pulpit here where Brother Hutchison has ministered, because as myself, I'm not a speaker. I'm not too well. I have a, an edu- very poor education, and I and I just trust in the Lord for what little I do can do for Him. And but what I know of the Word, I sure like to tell someone else about it. And we fellowship around the blessed Word. Now, in the day, the the event that we're speaking of tonight was right immediately after the death of Ahab, and Achiah, his son, had taken <coughs> pardon me, his place and had done wickedly. And he had fallen through the lattice of his place in Samaria and had been hurt and was laying dying. And so him being an idolater sent some men from Samaria to inquire of Beelzebub and uh, the, the demon powers of what would be his outcome if he would be able to, by through this great god as they called Balaam, if they would be able to recover from his condition. And on his road over there to the messengers that he sent, God, who knows all things, called to his servant Elijah and said, Go meet them and ask them, Why is he doing this? Because there is no God in Israel? And when he turned the servants back and on the way back, or when they come back, they asked him, Why didn't you go to take the message? And he said, We met a man that told us, Thus saith the Lord. And then the king inquired, what kind of a man was he? He said he was a hairy man, and he had leather on his loins, and he knew it was Elijah the Tishbite. God has never been at any time without a true witness on the earth. He always has had a true witness somewhere. And since the world began, he's had it, and somewhere today there is a true witness of God. In the midst of all of our 969 different denominations here, there's somewhere God has a true witness. Now, in the old days, he had prophets. The message came by God in sundry times, and divers manners spake to the fathers by the prophets, 
And in this last day has spoke to us by his Son, Christ Jesus. And now the word came through the prophets. Today we have gifts of prophecy, and we have prophets also. And there's quite a vast difference between a gift of prophecy and a prophet. A gift of prophecy is a church gift that operates. It might be on one one night, and another another night, and another another night. And before it can be received into the church, it has to be judged by three different judges. And then three witnesses have to accept it as being the word of the Lord, then it's kept on record. And if it comes not to pass, then there's an evil spirit among the people. And that's why I think that we have misused God's divine gift. In our tabernacle at home, when I first, in our Baptist church, when I first received the baptism of the Spirit and was called into the ministry, we tried to seek out God for the spiritual gifts. We had all the people to come who were gifted people, uh, maybe an hour before the service ever started. And the gifts of the Spirit, as one would speak in uh, unknown tongues, and the other give the interpretation. And it could not be just a quoting of Scripture called, God doesn't use vain repetitions. It must be some direct message to the church. And then if it was a, to the church before it could be received in the church, there had to be at least three spiritual uh, uh, gifts there. And that was to uh, call that we call them like judges, to judge three people with the gift of discernment, and the Bible is called. And one of them would raise up and say, it's of the Lord. And the other one raised up and said, it's of the Lord. Well, the two outrule the one. So then the message was taken down and then placed on my desk. And it couldn't be now like Jesus is coming soon. We know that. And the other things that the scriptures declared, it would be something like this. Tell, thus saith the Lord, tell Brother Jones to get away from that place where he lives or it's near a railroad track for tomorrow at 2 o'clock. There's going to be a wreck there and his house will be destroyed. Or tell Brother Branham that tonight there'll be someone come in from a certain place that's got a certain disease, be dressed a certain way, and he shall go to them. They'll be brought in tonight by Amos and tell them that this thing that's, that's against them, that's thus saith the Lord. Well then, if them messages was taken down, that the witnesses witnessed that it was the Holy Spirit, it was laid on the, the pulpit, and then when the church began to gather all the gifts they were done had their part of the meeting. There was nothing taking place then but the singing of the words, of the singing of the, the hymns. And then when I came out to speak, which was in the room, they pressed the button, the red light come on. I'd been in there maybe all afternoon praying. Walked forth with, with the message of the Lord on my heart. Before I uh, made the message on the platform, on the pulpit, laid, laid these messages. I read them all. Then went on with the message. And then as the message, the altar call. And if the things that were written on there did come to pass, we thank the Lord and praise Him for it. If it didn't come to pass, they had a cleaning up time. There's an evil spirit among them because God don't tell lies. See? And that's the way the gift should be operated. And then all this uh, uh, stuff that goes on in the name of the gift would be called out. And then no one wants the evil spirit on to lie and do those things. They want the real. There's a real spirit. You don't have to have that kind of spirit. God's got a real spirit for it. 
And so you don't want them things that the devil would give you. And if that was wrong, then all those people repented and prayed and fasted and went before the Lord so that spirit got off of them. All of them, and the witnesses and all, the, uh, the one who discerned it, and so forth, they were all wrong. And then we had the thing cleaned up. And that's the way that the gifts should be operated in the church, to my opinion. That's where it worked wonderfully in our tabernacle at home. And then if that would work in a Baptist church, it surely ought to work in the Pentecostal church. It certainly ought to be. So then, if um, that's it's just the sincerity. You must respect those gifts and give them their places and everything where they should be. And the Bible is the blueprint, just how they should be put together and how they should operate. Then you'll have no trouble at all, no where Everything will move just exactly in the will of the Lord. If he wants anything said, he'll speak and give the interpretation of it and set it out and it'll happen just exactly to the minute, just the way God said it was. And all the marvelous things that we have seen our Lord do in those things. But it takes a consecrated life, a surrendered life, and, and so forth, in a church that's purged daily by the blood of the Lord Jesus, and then things will take place. And there's a vast difference between a gift of prophecy and a prophet. A gift of prophecy will act on one and then another, and it's to be judged. But a prophet has the word of the Lord, and a prophet is a born the prophet. See? Um, but Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was, a, he was a woman's seed from the Garden of Eden. That was promised. You believe that? Yeah. Moses was born a prophet. They recognized it when he was born, a prophet child, the emancipator of, of Israel. And uh, John the Baptist, 712 years before he came to the earth, he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness through the prophet Isaiah. Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, before you even formed in your mother's wombs or came forth, I knew you and sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. See, gifts and callings are without repentance. God has. See, that's, oh, what a wonderful book. Well, that's the pastor's place to take care of that. I'm here to preach you by healing to you. All right. But anyhow, in the days, in the, as long as Israel walked before God and listened to their prophets and, and had the right thing, then God heard them and bless them. And he'll do the same thing in the church today if the people will respect him and listen and keep things straight and everything moving directly in Christ, God will do the same thing for the church. Now, God had his man, and it was Elijah, the Tishbite. And usually God has one major in them days, a major prophet, then sometimes he had others, uh, minor prophets. In the days of Elijah, he knew that he was making ready for his translation. God was going to take him up. So he had went and called Elisha uh, to take his place. And it threw his robe around him and called him to the ministry under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now, in them days, they had had a school called the School of the Prophets, that had, a, and we call it today, a seminary. They'd seen the great work that God was doing to Elijah, so they thought they'd get him a school and, and hatch him out a few, and get a few prophets across the land like Elijah. Well, that's, that's a great thing, but it never worked successful then, neither will it work today. Now, try it. 
It takes God does the calling. That's the only flaw there is to it. God has to do the calling. And if God don't do the calling, then it does the prophet no good to go. But if God does the calling, he will honor his word wherever he goes. God will be with him. Now, we find at this school of the prophets, how it turned out to be, I'd imagine every prophet there, when Elijah came up, we seemed to didn't live the right kind of life, for they said it's too straight for around here when Elijah comes around. I imagine if, if it would be today, they'd make them get rid of all their television programs and all their old love story magazines and quit their smoking and drinking and all these things and clean up. If there's anything that would be needed today, would do that. That's right. Any people that stay home on Wednesday night from a prayer meeting to see we love Lucy or who love Lucy or whatever it is, that person needs an old-fashioned case of repentance at the altar. That's exactly right. And anyone that would belittle himself or such uh, things that comes out of Hollywood and pattern yourself with such immoral people that's married five or six times and running around and carrying on their way to do with their ungodly dressings and things that they have in that place and make that your example? Well, you ought to look at Jesus Christ. You died to those things that are alive in Christ. Make him your example. And it's terrible to see the way the, this great nation of ours is sinking and falling. And all the programs here, you know, the radio and everything is some kind of gag or a dirty joke or some kind of smutty-like thing being told. And all this old music you have, uh, boogly-woogly, uh, what you call it, and rock and roll, and them evil persons like Presley and Arthur Godfrey, and those things, you pull them smutty jokes, and you people gun that stuff down here every day on the radio, and then come to the church and expect a blessing. How can you throw stagnated water in a place and expect good things to come out of it? There's a hog in the water somewhere. We need a cleaning out time. The church needs to be purged by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that sets your affections on things above in the coming of the Lord. Now, then people live their lives. God have mercy on them. I'm not making right of them or anything, but I'm only trying to press a mark to the church. No wonder we can't have revival like we ought to. No wonder Billy Graham was crying the other night about not being able to see revival at this time. Brother, they need a cleaning up from the full pit plumbing into the the janitor's room and the churches see the land is what we need for the Holy Spirit can take place. God's a holy God. That's right. And I don't mean that you go to heaven on your holiness, but you go to heaven on his holiness, but it's the work that you do prove what's in you. That's right. You love him. And God wants you to love him. And if you love him, you'll worship him and you'll love him. What's in your heart? That's where you love. What you love? Where your treasures is, there your heart is also. It's a wonderful thing. Like I said to my wife, uh, what's a, it's a case of love. Now, when I go overseas, I don't say, now, wait a minute, Miss Branham. I'm going to lay some light on you now. I'm going overseas, and thou shalt not have any other husband, and don't you go to flirt with any other man, and all these things. Now, when she said, now, just a minute, young man, and I want to give you some orders. And you're not uh, taking any women out while you're gone. Well, that wouldn't that be a life to live? I'd hate to trust her like that. That's right. And I guess you'd hate to trust me. But we love one another. 
when I get ready to leave, we kneel down on the floor and offer thanks to God for the privilege that we have of going in the gospel and to doing the work of the Lord. And I ask God to bless my little children and my wife and take them. We raise up and I kiss her goodbye. I say, goodbye, sweetheart. So you want to come back? Be praying for me. She said, I will, Billy. That settles it. Well, if I ever, I don't care who it was, if, uh, why I, if I even thought that I could, uh, could go out with someone else and get by with it, I, I don't want you to forgive me for it. I wouldn't do it. I love her too much. I think too much of her to hurt her. She'd forgive me, but it would hurt her. Well, that's just human love. How much more it is when you love the Lord Jesus. You don't have, you won't stay home and listen to these things. You love him. You wouldn't hurt him. Why, everything you want to do is to do something for him. So, of course, you love him. Don't you say, he forgive me for it. That's right. He might forgive you, but if you really love him, you don't want to do it. And we've got too many school of prophets letting those things get by. That's the truth. And I want you to notice these fellows. When they were up there, well, Elijah went up to see him one day, and one fellow went out to get some, pick some peas, and he picked a lap full of gourds. And he cooked them up. Now, a guy who don't know the difference between wild gourds and peas ain't very much profit on it, right? But he threw them into the pot and began to cook them. They were cooking up something, all right. And when they began to eat, one of them recognized he was getting sick, and he said, there is death in the pot. Now, what did Elijah do? They went to him, the one with the double potion. So they went to him and wanted to know what to do. And he never said, get rid of all of it now. He said, don't do that. But he went and got a handful of meal and threw into the same pot and said, now eat all you want to. There's life in it. Now, what made the difference was the meal. And the meal at the school was the, the meal offering that was offered to the Lord, which was ground with a certain bird. And every grain of meal had to be ground the same. And that meal represented Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he's thrown into death, it always brings forth life. What we need is Christ in the pot where we got the poison cooking. That's not all. We don't need to get rid of the Methodists, Baptists, and Pentecostals. We just need a handful or a heart full of Christ in among them. And all these other old programs and things will clear up, and from death will turn to life when Christ is put in. The seminaries, the schools, the denominations, they're all right, but they need Christ in them. The members are fine people, they're human beings, like you and I are, that love to eat and love their families and love like that, but what they need is Christ in their lives. They don't need a yardstick to measure by. Christ comes in, he takes the place of that yardstick. I'm raised in a country where we got a lot of hardwood, and in the wintertime, the little old scrub oak always holds its leaf all winter. The oak leaves up. Now, when springtime comes, you don't have to go out and pick up all, pick all the oak leaves off the old ones so the new ones can come on. The only thing you have to do is just wait and let the new life come up. The old leaf drops off. That's all we need. It's Christ the new life, and all the things of the world become dead. Then. Just need Christ in the church. That's what we need today. More of the risen Lord Jesus. Now, notice, now the school, I can imagine each one of them up there, they each one packed the Bible just about like Elijah done, you know, and each one used his voice, 
just the way Elijah does. This is a great day again of impersonation. Don't you believe that? Billy Graham was just in Louisville. I'm telling you, every program comes on, everybody say, the Lord bless you real good. <laughs> I don't know, it's just a human, I guess. And try to speak like Billy Graham, pack the Bible like Billy Graham, or some evangelists come to town. That's the way they do it. It's impersonation, carnal impersonation. And now here it is. It may hurt just a little bit, but my mother used to give me, we raised a pool with we had to eat cornbread that's made out of grease, out of meat skins where we cook it in a, uh, a pan, you know, and boil out the grease to make. And every Saturday night, I know we used to have to take a dose of cast off. And I, I, I can't even stand it today. And Mama used to say, I'd hold my door and I'd say, Mama, it makes me so sick, I can't even bear She said, if it don't make you sick, it don't do you any good. So maybe that isn't preaching the gospel if it doesn't stir up a little bit. And I'm pleased to say that many of us that are claiming great things of God are only carnal impersonations, doing someone else the way they act and the way they do, and try to put the same thing on ourselves and act that way, when Christianity is not a mimic, it's a lie. Christianity comes by birth, that when you're born again of the Spirit of God and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things become new. Watch. And we find everyone said, now when Elijah goes, I'll tell you, you know, I'm the dean of the school. The man will come on me. That's, I'll get it when Elijah goes. And the other said, but you remember, I'm the professor here too. And I'm the dean of psychology. I, I'll get it because I don't really know how to handle the people. Everyone but you know what God did? God had chose a little old cowboy down there. Just shows the difference. Maybe he didn't know his ABC. Maybe he couldn't count to a hundred. But God had chosen. Sometimes man's choice is a lot different from God's choice. One time he's choosing a king. And when the prophet went up, even the prophet had the horn of oil to anoint one of David's sons. And they brought out the great big six-footer, you know, said the robe and crown will look good on him. But God refused him. And God chose a little old scrawny guy back there, the Bible said a little ruddy fella, with a sheepskin coat on, with a flame shot in his hand, hurting his daddy's sheep. But God don't look at the outside, God looks at the inside. And we're trying to put too much exaggerations and so much expression on the outward appearance when God looks on the heart. Amen. Oh my, how we need it today. Everywhere, in every place, the whole world is corrupted everywhere. How does God understand it? But notice, here they come out, and Elijah, when he come by his time, just about fulfilled for him to go, he spoke to Elisha, come by where he was at, and he said, now you stay here, I'm going up to Gilgal up here. You see, he tried to discourage him. And many times, when there's a blessing laying right ahead, the devil tries everything he can to discourage us. We go through trials and testings. But Elisha, being spiritual-minded also, he knew that he had a purpose, and he wasn't going to leave him. He said, as the Lord liveth in your soul, liveth, I'm not going to leave you. I like that. 
that determination. Oh, my, we take the little thing from God and get all this in an hour. But not Elisha. He looked forward to the time. He knew that it was close at hand. So he went to another place. He said, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord's calling me somewhere else. You just stay back here. But there was no staying back with Elisha. He had no revelation of what God was going to do. So if somebody says, just stay home tonight and look at the television, it's too bad to go out. Don't you worry. If you know the Lord Jesus is coming, oh, you're going to church regardless of what the weather looks like, or anything else, you're going to stay right there. For we expecting something to happen at any time. And we see Moscow with guiding missiles who could take this whole nation in one hour and never leave Moscow. Just send up this spot. A rocket like that with explosions in it of four so many thousand miles and got it through the stars and radar, drop it right on Manhattan here. Three or four of them at a time, and it'd be there. For 15 miles each way, it would be a hole in about 170 feet deep. What would you do? Or maybe let least a hundred or two of them on the major cities at one time, in one hour's time, there'd be no more the United States and no more world. Set up a chain of reaction that calls a total annihilation. What could it do? Where are you going to run to? used to say, get a bomb shelter. They say, now that's nonsense. But we got a bomb shelter. Amen. The Lord's made out of feathers under his wings. Amen. To be killed A bomb shelter of safety. Killing. Oh, my. How? This prophet, he wasn't discouraged. He said, no, I the Lord will live. So they go out to the school of the prophets. They left there and said, You stay here for I'm going to Jordan. He said, As the Lord liveth, I'm not going to leave you. On down to the Jordan, they went to cross Jordan. Then Elisha turned around and said to Eli- Elijah said to Elisha, What do you desire? What are you hanging around for? Oh, I like that. What's your hand around for? What do you desire? Now, the Bible said, ask abundance. Certainly. You know, we're afraid we're going to ask God too much. Well, you can't over-ask God anything. Could you imagine a little fish about that long out in the middle of the ocean saying, well, I'd better drink of this water sparingly because it might run out someday. Nonsense. Could you imagine a mouse about that long down the great garden in Egypt? Then I better just eat a few grains each day. It'd be very conservative now because I tell you, I might run out before the winter's over, before the new crop comes in. Oh my! Now, now add ten billion times to that, and you can find how silly it would be to try to think you'd exalt God's abundance of blessings for you. Why, my! He said, "Ask abundantly that your joys might be full." And Elisha was going to ask the Lord, he said, I want a double potion having your spirit upon me. Oh, what a question. What a desire. Now remember, Elisha and Elijah were the type of Christ and the church as Elisha was taken up and threw back his robe for Elisha to wear. So was Christ taken up and sent back his robe was asked one day by the, a mother of two of his disciples, 
He said, let my son sit down to the right and the left. He said, can you drink the cup that I drink? I said, yes, but can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? She said, yes. He said, you can, you will. But the right and left hand's not mine to give. So as he was baptized with the Holy Ghost and said, the things that I do, more than this shall you do, a double portion of the Spirit of Christ come upon the church at Pentecost. Because it goes to all the world. A double portion, as it was Elijah. Now, Elisha wanted to find one thing. In his mind, in his heart, there was a deep desire. And when the deep goes to coming to the deep, there's bound to be a deep to respond to that call. Before there's a fin on the fish's back, there had to be a water from the swimming first. Before there's a tree to grow in the earth, there had to be an earth first for the tree to grow in. Before there's a desire in your heart for more of God, there's got to be more of God somewhere to respond to that desire. A senior comes down to go over a little kid, eat the razors off a pencil, eat the pedal off of a bicycle, and they take him down to the laboratory to examine him and find out at the clinic, rather, they found out that his little body needed sulfur. Well, if there's something in here calling for sulfur, there had to be a sulfur to respond to that call. Here it is, like this. Before there can be a creation, there has to be a creator to create that creation. And if you're designed tonight to be healed of the Lord, there's got to be a fountain open somewhere. Now, if you desire the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your heart, there's got to be something out there creating that desire. When the deep calls to the deep, there's got to be a deep to respond to it. And Elisha, oh, he wanted that spirit. And though he didn't have any promise of it yet, but he knew that Elisha was wearing a robe. And he knew he had that robe on. And I could see stand up on the hill where all the school of DDs and PhDs were standing back seeing what was going to take place. But Elisha had had that robe on many years before. Now Elijah had to grow to Elisha had to grow to fit the robe. Today we're trying to cut the robe to fit us, and God has to cut us to fit the robe. That's the difference. That we just got vice versa. You've got to alter yourself to meet God's Holy Spirit. God won't alter the Spirit to meet your desire. See? But you've got to alter yourself so Elisha had several years of growing in to fit the robe. So he thought it would fit him pretty well. He was on his road up the hill. And Elijah turned around. The only thing that he wanted to know was he could ever get that promise. That's all he wanted. And he said, I'm going to ask you, I'll tell you what my desire is. I want a double portion of your spirit to come upon me. What are you going to say? Elijah, the anointed prophet, turned around. And said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, but this will be given to you on conditions. And so is the Holy Ghost given to me on conditions. On conditions, if you can meet the conditions. That is, if you can see me when I go away, you'll have what you ask for. That's all Elisha wanted was a promise. If he knew the promise and the conditions of the promise, then he kept his eye right on Elijah. I can 
Matthew, Sunday, and say, so, and then you'll follow him for it. I ain't got no time to talk to you. I'm looking straight at him. And today, the promise, many of you here are sick. And the promise is to you, if thou canst believe. You've got the promise. The promise is laid down here in the Bible. The promise is yours. But the trouble is, you let the schools of the prophets and everything else call you from one side to the other, telling you and discourage you and telling you that he's a miracle of no such a thing as mine, reading his middle telepathy, and all those things, and you listen to it, and that's the reason you don't receive the promise. I can imagine Elijah following Elijah with that eye straight on him. He wasn't going to turn to see her, didn't turn back to hey, fellas, how do you think I'm doing? If he would, Elisha might have been taken away. And he wouldn't have got the promise. And when we turn aside to go to looking at this and looking at conditions and looking at symptoms, symptoms, or we say, now look, I was great all that time. You see, my hands are better and it never will be like that. No, sir. You don't look at the symptoms, you look at the promise. Amen. The promise is what it is. Look who made the promise. It was God who made the promise. God's word. He's in authority. It's God who spoke the promise. That's who it is. If you look at your symptoms, symptoms are one of the greatest hindrance God has to work with. It's symptoms. And if ever anything that is wrong is a man or woman who will look and say, I don't feel any better. Now, they prayed to me over at my church last night, they believe in divine healing, but really, I don't feel any better. You don't never go by your feelings. Jesus never did say, did you feel it? He said, did you believe it? <laughs> See where you get the thing all turned around? It's your faith in his promise that does it. Like Elijah, he wanted a promise. And if Elijah said he could have it, if he kept his eyes, he kept his own. That's all. Amen. There's a fellow in the Bible who had some symptoms one time. His name was Jonah. Talk about symptoms, he had them. Now he was backslid. That's a big word for a Baptist to say, but I believe you can do it. So he was backslid. God told him to go down to Nineveh, and he went to Tarshish, the easier road. So out there, a storm came up, a stormy sea. And he had his hands tied, his feet tied, throwed out a big fish come along and swallowed him. Went out in the bottom of the sea, and he bought feature goldfish and watch them when they prowl through the water so they find their prey, and then when they feed, they go right down and rest the swimmers on the bottom of the of the of the bank of the ocean. This big whale that swallowed Jonah went down in the bottom of the sea and was laying there resting. Now you talk about symptoms, that man had it. The first place he was back with. And that place, his hands and feet were tied behind him, and he was on a stormy sea in the belly of a whale in the bottom of the sea. And if you look this way, it was a whale's belly. Look that way, it was whale's belly. Everywhere you look, it was whale's belly. You talk about symptoms, he had it. There's nobody here in that condition tonight. But what did he say? He said, they're lying vanities. I won't even look at them. But he turned over and vomited the seaweeds around his neck in the bed of this hill. And he said, Lord, once more will I look to your holy temple. Not at the symptoms, at the temple. Why? When Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed and said, Lord, if thy people be in trouble at any time and look towards this holy place and pray, then 
years in heaven. And Jonah denied all those symptoms and called him lying dances because he had faith in the prayer of Solomon, who dedicated the temple. And if Jonah could do that upon them circumstances, what ought we to do who don't look to Solomon's temple but to heaven itself? For Jesus touched at the right hand of God when he was God to make intercessions upon our confession. Tempt him? Certainly not. We deny him. There's no such a thing. We take God at his word and keep our eye on the promise and move on. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the devil tries to say, you ain't got nothing. Well, that's just all he knows about it, see. Then if you give in to him, you lose it. But keep your eye on the promise. I can see Elisha as he goes up the hill, and Elijah in front of him, going on and keeping his eye on him. Somebody hollered from one side of this, some of the school of prophets would holler across the Jordan. He just kept his eye right on him, going right on. Some of them said, wait a minute, wait a minute here. You know, I'm Professor So-and-so. I don't care who you are. I got the promise. I'm going right on. Say, you know, I'm the pastor. I don't care who you are. I got my eye on the promise. That's the way to get it. Keep your eye on the promise. Hold on to it. That's right. Don't be jellyfish, wishy-washy, in and out, up and down, like a worm in a lemon, but stay with your eye on the promise. God said so, that settles it. God said so, that took care of it. As far as I'm concerned, God said so, he has to stay with his word, and his word's eternal. His God is, so he, he kept his eye on it. After a while, there came a sound from heaven, like it did on the day of Pentecost. And fire came like it did on the day of Pentecost. And it separated them. And if it did, uh, Christ from the disciples at Pentecost. But Elijah stepped on his chair to fire, pulled the horses to fire, and went away. And while the young prophet was standing there, standing there looking up, hollering, My father, my father. The church of Israel and the horsemen there, all of a sudden something dropped on him, hitting just exactly. <laughs> the robe of the altar! That's the way it is today, brother. Any man that looks up and says, Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you gave the promise. Be sincere and watch what sits around you. It's fitting exactly. What did he do? Took all his own garment and tore it to pieces. Television programs and all the nonsense is finished there. All the worldly things, the picture shows, the drinking, the smoking, the gambling, the lying, the dirty jokes, everything's finished there. Throw his own robe to pieces and throw it down, but I'm entering the ministry. <laughs> oh, man. That's what we need today. You turn around. Look back onto the prophets. Oh, man. That's what first. Get it away. Get the promise. Get it down in your heart. Then he turned and looked towards although he was wearing a second-handed robe, brother. <laughs> but he was on his march with a conqueror thread behind him. How he felt as he marched down towards the Jordan. God be merciful, brother. We're going towards Jordan tonight, too. we got to stand at the Jordan. I'm glad to be wearing a second-handed robe, too. Not the robe of my own righteousness, because it wouldn't do any good, but the robe of his righteousness. I'm trusting him. He wore it, sent it back to me. I'm happy to have it. 
I want to wrap myself in his righteousness. I know there's a great shadow setting before us. Every one of us is coming that way tonight, friends. Every time your heart beats you one step closer to that big door called death, one day you're going to make the last beat and you're going in. I realize as your uh, evangelist and servant, I too have to go to that. I've got to come down, no matter how much I've preached about it, I've got to come down to it, but when I do, I don't want to come in my own self-righteous rags. When I see it, my life beats coming up and I'm entering that door. I want to wrap myself in the robe of his righteousness. Knowing this, that I know him in the power of his resurrection. And when he calls from among the dead, my name will be called. That's the main thing in my life tonight. Is to know that I know him in the power of his resurrection. That he lives and reigns. And I know him by the forgiveness of sins, by his spirit dealing, by him moving and acting, I know that it's him. And as Elisha walked down there with the robe on, but when he got down there next to the river, did you notice he took off the robe? The robe's all right. And brother, many people today are trying to march down to the Jordan wearing a second-handed robe called Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, moth-eaten by doubt, holes all in it and everything like that. Don't you never try to cross Jordan with that? That won't work. Certainly won't. The malls is these out. Maybe John Wesley would. That might have been good for his age, but don't you try to go upon the thoughts of being a Methodist. Don't you try to go upon John Smith's Baptist robe either. Don't you go upon Martin Luther's Luther robe or the Catholic priests in their robe. Don't you go on the Pentecost road so-called today. But brother, when Elijah got there, and we find out that he took off this robe of Elijah, it isn't some kind of a robe, but what did he do? He knowed all of us watching. He couldn't trust in the robe of Elijah, but he said, Where is the God of Elijah? Heaven! We've got Pentecost, but where is the God of Pentecost? Claim Pentecost in every church, you claim it in the Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, so-called assemblies, and every the rest of them. But where is the God of Pentecost? That's the next thing. So don't trust in that moth-eaten, threadbare Pentecostal robe that you're wearing by name. It won't work. Some other man might have worked with a flame a few years ago, but brother, it won't work with you, but it takes the God of Pentecost. Yes, sir. And he stood by Jordan. Hallelujah! And he stood the door and said, Where is the God of Elijah? He knows it was close. Then when he tucked the robe and threw it across the water, I tell you, she opened from one side to the other. I wonder sometimes when the Pentecostal and Baptists and Presbyterians and so forth stand and see the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ moving in great power, how often who claim to kiss the cup of the golden blessings of God, how they can hold their peace and live the type of life they do. And the God of Pentecost is a moving among the people. I wonder, friends, what we'll give an account at the day of the judgment. I wonder what will take place at that time if you only realize that Jesus Christ still lives and reigns. A second-handed robe. But when you come to Jordan, you've got to have the God of Pentecost. 
He wanted the God of Elijah. If the servant of God does the work of God, he's got to have the power of God. If Pentecost is wearing a Pentecostal robe, it's got to have Pentecostal power. And the God of Pentecostal that won't do any good. Call yourself Pentecost if you want to, but where's the God of Pentecost? That's right. Yes, sir, where is he who appeared before them? Who is it that come down to Paul that night when he was out on his ship and all hopes was gone that ever be safe? And the angel of the Lord comes to him and said, Don't fear, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, uh, all these are saying, What did I give to you? And that little Jew come out on the deck there with well, cat. Arms all bound down with shackles and across his legs and chains, walked out there shaking his hands and saying, Give him good courage! Hey man, for the angel of God who servant I am, stood by me last night saying, Don't fear, Paul, and serve, I believe God, it'll be just the way he told it to me. Yes, sir. What we need is not Pentecost, but the God of Pentecost. You're coming to the Jordan, men and women. Each one of you is coming down to the Jordan. I don't know when that may be. It may be before daylight for some of us. But I tell you, there's coming a time that when you're going to need more than an old moth-eaten robe of some church, you're going to need the God that set that church apart in its early days. You're going to have to have the vision that they had in the early days that wore this, that the new schools is coming and the holes has been eaten into doubt and superstitions and theologies and things so the thing is no good at all. Call for the God of Pentecost. That's what we need today. Truly. The servant of God has to call on God. He has to depend on God. Not his church, not his robe. He has to depend on God. God's asking him to do the impossible. And in order to do the impossible, he's got to call on God for power of God to perform the impossible. If we be the Messiah's servant, we have to have the Messiah's power. And he promised it to us, I am the vine, ye are the branches. I energize every branch to bring forth fruit. Hallelujah. There you are. There it is. Yes, sir, one of these mornings, I got to come to the river. When I do, probably all Branham's, if I live to be old, I hope I am, long beard and hair hanging around me, I come to the end of the road and I know I've done my best. I've fought my last battle. I want to take off the helmet, lay it down on the beach right here, the Jordan beating against the side of it. I want to lay the shield down, take the old sword of the face and stick it back to the shield of eternity and scream out, God, and I die I'm coming home this morning. As the poet said, he can see Adam turn over and shake Eve and say, Honey, wake up. It's here. Eve reached over, got a hold of his and said, Wake up, honey. It's here. Seth took a hold of Abraham and said, Wake up, Abraham. It's here. There's going to be a great waking up time some of these mornings when the Jordan begins to beat the bank. I want to know that God who takes his ways to the Jordan instead of having on some moth-eaten robe. God speaking not long ago concerning a certain thing that had taken place in Switzerland. When I was in Switzerland I was about a year ago, up in them great Swiss out there, there's a name that we used to know in history here. It's almost forgotten. You men and women about my age remember when we had it in school. Is the, the history of, of Arnold von Winkler. What a mighty man. In the days when Switzerland pulled away and went up in there, the little countries of no oil in the mountains, but they had little farms. They still live that way. A lovely, sweet people who 
loved the Lord, way up in the mountaintops. And then when the invading armies come in one day, all the Swiss gathered in a little field down at the foot of the mountain to protect their little mountain homes. And when this, the invading armies moving in, a great, massive bunch, well-trained, spears, armor, and every man like a stone wall, moving to his place, coming right on in to destroy the Swiss, ravish their women, kill their babies, take over their homes. Take what they had. The little Swiss army gathered down there will not need them to fight with pitchforks and, and, and old side blades and whatever they could pick up to fight with. No armors, nothing to fight with, but stood helpless by the side of the mountain. What could they do? All around them come this great army moving on like a big wall, moving in. Trump, Trump. The little fellow standing there helpless, finally. That great, dark, crucial hour, Arnold von Winkler stepped out and said, Man of Switzerland, this day I'll give my life for Switzerland. This day I'll save Switzerland. Then he said, Over yonder's mountain is a little white home, and there is my lovely wife and my children waiting for me to return, but they'll never see me no more. said, For this day I'll give my life for Switzerland. They said, what will you do, uh, Arnold von Winkler? He said, just follow me and do the best you can with what you've got. What did he do? He screamed and threw his hands up in the air, dropped his uh, weapon, and said, make way for liberty. And he looked and he found where the deepest part of the spears was, and he ran right into those spears, screaming with all his voice, make way for liberty. And he grabbed an armful of those spears and plunged out into his heart as he fell to his death in such a gallant play of heroism, ran that army. And these men followed him with as hard as they could, fight with what they could, and drove their armies out of their land and they've been free to stay. Well, you can mention his name up there in Swiss, and the tears, the hot tears will run down their cheeks for their heroes. Such a gallant play of this, this play of heroism had seldom been seen on the earth. But that wasn't much besides something else that took place one day. When mankind, the sons of Adam, was backed into the corner, diseases, affliction, and sin, cankering them, eating them, driving them to hell like taskmasters, the devil had brought everything to a tribe. God sent them prophets. They just done away with the prophets. God sent them the judges, done away with the judges, the kings, everything he had done, every, he sent them the law. They didn't even keep it. Everything that could be done was done, and Adam's race stood helpless. Sickness, diseases, affliction, sin, everything helped the little group of Adam's race at pain that no one could do nothing about it, and they were helpless. And the devil and his great marching army come marching in, well-equipped, powerful, supernatural beings. Here stood a little natural people with nothing they could do. Then in heaven something took place. There was one stepped out called Jesus, the precious Son of God. He said to the angels and his brethren, This day I'll give my life. I'll save Adam's race. 
that he came down and was made flesh and dwelt among us. One day, standing here at Calvary, when he seen the thickest part the, that there is in any, any human life, the darkest part of the spheres of human life is death. Every man fears death. And when Jesus of Nazareth run against every devil there was in hell and caught death right into his own bosom and conquered death and sent back the Holy Ghost and said, Take this and do the best you can and liberate the people. Oh, I tell you, we got to fight and we got the most powerful weapon. The devil makes fun of it and says there's no such a thing, but pick up tonight and receive the Holy Ghost and defeat every devil of sin, sickness, and whatever it is. We got him on the run to be conquered. Yes, and uh, someday the great chief captain will come and sin and sickness and sorrows will be over. Right. It's conquered. And we men have the, the spirit in our own possession as the vine, uh, the branches on the vine with the spirit energizing the church with the Holy Spirit. And we're commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel and cast out devils and, and lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, I am with you leading the army to the end of the world and I'll show myself alive for I'll be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Do you believe it, church of God? If you believe it, let us accept it tonight with one full heart and believe of everything that we have within us to believe for the righteousness of Christ. Oh, how we listen to his word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the word. Now, let us pray just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, as tonight we see the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus in all of his splendor and power, anointed his church and sent them forth to preach the gospel into all the world. Said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out evil spirits. They'll do great signs and wonders. I'll be with them. I'll manifest myself to them. I'll show myself alive. The believers will see me to the end of the world, yet the unbelievers will see me no more. And Father, that promise that you made is good today. I keep my eyes on that. As Elisha kept his eyes on Elijah, you said, Lo, I am with thee always, even to the end of the world. The things that I do shall you also. The works that I work shall you work also. And I know that those promises are true, and tonight we got our hopes and faith centered on that. You said you'd do it. Now theology and scriptural text has been taught to people through the years, but it's evening time now. Now is the day of the restoration of all things, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll manifest yourself tonight here in great resurrection power with resurrection blessings. And may every person who knows and recognizes to be you, Lord, may they put their hopes in, on the promise and see that you promised them that you had raised from the dead, and you did. You said, I'm alive forevermore, and you are, and I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world, and you are. And you said the work that was done, man, would be done till you come again, and it is. And you're the same in every principle that you ever was, you are today. 
and we love you for it, Lord. And may this church and these people tonight see that you keep your promise. Not only do you keep your promise that you've raised and will meet with us, but you keep your promise to heal the sick, to deliver the people from unclean spirits, to pour out the Holy Ghost upon the people that desire. And every promise in the Bible is true. It's the seed of God that's sowed into the human heart and believed by faith. Grant, Lord, tonight that you'll manifest yourself. And when we leave here tonight, may we stay like those who came from Emmaus. Did not our hearts burn within us? For we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I believe God. Believe that He is. And they that come to God must believe that He is and a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Out of some of you newcomers here, it may be a little strange in a, a church like this. It may not, they may not worship here and the people praising the Lord and saying the things that they do. Acting may be a little peculiar to you, but friends, if you only had received what they have, you'd feel the same way. Turn back in the Bible and see it. See, today is a day, as I said about the prophets packing their Bibles and impersonations. It's a great day of impersonation. Paint your steps red next week and find out what your neighbor will do. You'll paint his red, too. Wear a little black hat to church and find out what your neighbor will do. Wear a black hat, too. They want Get a new suit of clothes and say how nice it is what your neighbor asked where you got it. It's an impersonation. They want to match. Want to be matched. And, brother, I don't care if my trousers matches my coat or my shirt matches my tie. I want my experience to match God's Bible. That's the kind of matching that this church ought to do. It's exactly right. My Lord raised from the dead, and he's alive tonight. He's your Lord also, and he's sure to bless you and to help you. And here's the way the Bible is to me. It's either the truth or it's an error. If it's an error, I want nothing to do with it. No, sir, I'd be, I want to be that. If it's an error, I want nothing to do with it. If it's the truth, I'm ready to die for it. That's right. So make it one or the other way. God speed the day when so-called Christians will either profess and be Christians or either say what they are to begin with. I'd rather be an infidel than a hypocrite. That's right. Be what you are. If you believe Christ, say yes, and don't just, oh, I believe this, and uh, I believe this, and uh, I either believe it all or believe none of it. It's God, either God's Word or it's not God's Word. If God didn't write it, then just, if part of it's wrong, then the other part's wrong. Right. How many of you ever heard of Marsh Reedhead? Anybody here? Why, he's the president of the great... One of the greatest fundamental wealth, the big Sudan missions, the biggest in the world. He was standing after an Indian had been educated just before we called a prayer line. He had been standing. Did I say, was I speaking of that last night here, I believe, wasn't it? And um, Mar, um, Mars Reedhead, he's a friend of mine now. He's on the field preaching the, the gospel, the full gospel. And when he was, he said this Indian had been educated, and it was a fine boy. Come over here to study a... Uh, I believe it was electrical engineering or something. He got his education. Very smart, brilliant boy, Mohammed. And when he started back to go back across the sea, Mr. Reedhead said to him, said, now, son, said, you got your education. You're going back to be a great help to your country. 
So now, why don't you forsake that old dead prophet you're serving and accept the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and take Jesus back with you as your Savior? So the Mohammed stood there a little bit. He said, kind sir, he said, what could Jesus do for me any more than Mohammed could do? He said, now they both wrote books and we believe them. Ours is the Koran, yours is called the Bible. You believe yours and I believe mine. They both promised life after death. So I believe Mohammed told the truth and you believe Jesus told the truth. So what good could Jesus do me outside of Mohammed that Mohammed couldn't do? Why? He said, wow, the first thing is, said, you see, Mohammed's dead and Jesus is alive. So that's the difference. And the Mohammed said, all right, sir, is he alive? Said, I'd like to see you prove it. So Dr. Reed had said, I realize I hadn't met an overnight man. I met a man who knows what he was talking about. He said, is he alive? Said, no, he's dead, just exactly like Muhammad's dead. Said, he isn't alive. He said, well, now, wait a minute. Said, we know he's alive. Said, because we feel him in our heart, and we have joy of knowing he's coming again. He said, now, just a moment, Mr. Reedhead. Mohammedan religion can produce just as much psychology as Christianity can. So we have just as much happiness and just as much shouting and just as much joy knowing that Mohammed will come someday as you do knowing Jesus is coming someday. What about that? That's the truth. So now, wait a minute. And Mr. Reed said he knowed right then that that boy, he just wasn't a pushover. And he said, uh, well, um, he said, but just a minute. The Mohammed said to the Christian, he said, uh, uh, Dr. Reedhead, uh, kind sir, he said, I don't want to make fun of your religion. I respect every man's religion. But he said, you see, uh, Mr. Reedhead, he said, Mohammed only promised life after death. And said, and that's what we believe in. But said, your Jesus promised you teachers that you would do the same thing he done if he raised from the dead. So now we're waiting to see you teachers produce that, and then we'll believe he raised from the dead. Until you do that, he hasn't raised from the dead. Well, he said he stood there a little bit, and he said, uh, well, what do you mean, like the healing of the sick? He said, yes, one thing. He said, Mr. Reed said, well, now, you're probably uh, referring to uh, Mark, the 16th chapter. He said, yes, sir, that's one of them. He said, um, well, you know, in March the 16th, said, now, the better scholars understand, so now the, the illiterate kind of takes the rest of it, but said, we know, uh, Mark 16th, from the ninth verse on, where he said, they shall cast out devils and speak with tongues and lay hands on the sick and things, said, we realize, we better scholars know that that part of the Bible is not inspired. It was written by the Vatican, and it's not inspired. You know what the Muhammad said? He said, it isn't. What kind of a Bible are you reading? Said all the Koran's inspired. That's the weakness of Christianity, so-called. He said, then what about Mark 11? Whatsoever things you desire. What about this one? He said, the things that I do shall you also. He said, well, he said, the works that I do. Well, he said, you see, we, we preach the gospel to all the world, so that's a greater work. He said, you have. You've had 2,000 years to prove that he's alive, and two-thirds of the world never heard his name. So let Muhammad raise from the dead, and everybody know it in 24 hours. Uh, you talk about a defeat. 
And Dr. Reed had said, Mr. Brandon, he said, I kicked my foot in the dust. He said, now, sir, when you prove that he's alive and let me see him do the works with you, his teachers, that he promised that you would do, then I'll believe you. And the Mohammeds will believe you. And that's the truth. I see the truth. And I know they will. That's what the world wants. America's all polished up with so much education. They stand in here, the Mr. Dr. Ph.D. Jones and all with their great uh, talk about the flowers and the things. Mercy, goodness. What we need is the gospel. And the gospel is the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Right? That's what the world... We went and built churches. Jesus never did say build a church. Show me the scripture. We went and built schools. He never did say build schools. We built hospitals. He never did say build hospitals. Yet we've done it. That's all right. I ain't got nothing against it. We've done it. But he never said do that. We've done the things that he said, the very things he told us not to do, we did it, or the things that he told us to do, we refused to do it. That preach and demonstrate the power of the gospel. That's the reason two-thirds of the world has never heard it. And he, Mr. Reedhead sent me in the room. He said, in my own room, he said, Brother Brandon, he said, I've seen the Pentecostals and kick over furniture and tear it up and everything like that. But said, I've heard that there. said, I have enough degrees I could plaster your wall. said, when I was a little boy, seven years old, I started studying the scripture. I gave my life to Christ. said, when I thought I got my B.A., that would be Christ and that. said, I got my B.A., it wasn't so. said, then when I was ordained, it wasn't so. So when I got my LLD, I thought that would do it. I said, I've got every kind of degree can be thought of, an honorary degree so I can plaster your wall. But said, where's Christ in all of it? Has the teachers been wrong? I said, I don't want to say the teachers are wrong, sir. But I said one thing, they've left out the keynote. They've left out the cornerstone. Christ doesn't lay in BAs or DDs or LDs. Christ lays in the power of his resurrection to a heart that will receive him. He said... He said, Mr. Branham, could I receive the Holy Ghost right here? I said, if you will meet it on God's conditions. <laughs> he said, I don't care what it is. I want to know Christ. There, laid hands on him and prayed there in the room, and he fell under the power of God in the little coffee table that broke the glass out of it and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and preaching divine healing today on the field, Dr. Marsh Reed. When I was at Chattanooga, Tennessee, to my friend Don Wells, the biggest Baptist church in the South, and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and over 200 of those people has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that Baptist church. A few weeks ago, when a Lutheran dean of Sock, a dean up there of a big school, come down and criticized me when I said the devil couldn't heal, and made fun of me upon the word, said the devil couldn't heal. He said, oh, I'll just prove to you that the devil can heal. He said, we got a woman who lives in town with a familiar spirit. And said, the yeah, people come to her, and she pulls hair out of her head and plucks their veins and gets blood on it, walks down the river and throws it over her shoulder, and she walks back to the house, and she uh, has to turn around and look, the disease comes back to the people, does she cast away, and said, about 30% of them get well. Then you say, the devil can't heal. But I'm ashamed of you. I preached the gospel before you was born, that you would get a little age on yet, of all my 47 years. He said, I preached the gospel 50 years. I said, and I'm ashamed of you then. And know no more about the scripture than that. I said, certainly the woman, the people got well. But not the witch had nothing to do with these people in the land that they say, I got healing in my hand. Feel it, feel it, feel it. And all this stuff like that. It's nonsense. It's psychology. But the poor people that's approaching, uh, coming, they're thinking they're approaching God. And God has to honor faith. I don't care where it's at. 
and they approach God through the witch. They think that they're coming to God, coming through there, and God's got to honor that thing. That's the reason he said in that day many will come and say, Have not I cast out devils and things in your name? And so forth. And that man, when he heard that, he said, I want you to come to my college. Mr. Bose is a witness of this. Right there at Minneapolis, a Lutheran college. I went out there, and my manager went with me. He sat down there to a great big place of the Scandinavians there, all sitting there, these Lutheran students. He said, Mr. Branham, I've watched the meetings, and I apologize when I said that you were uh, a polished-up soothsayer. He said, that's what he called me, a polished-up soothsayer. He said, I apologize to it, and I want you to tell me how me and this school can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said, what's the Lutheran church go to do? He said, I don't care what the Lutheran church says. I want God. I said, all of you feel the same way? He said, yes. I said, move back your chairs from the table and get around the wall and lean, lean against the wall and start praying. Went along and laid hands on me. And Seventy-two Lutheran students with the dean received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's at Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's right. What is it? Men and women are hungering for God. The day is here. The Holy Ghost is here. Jesus is here raised from the dead. Don't speak against it. It's blasphemy. But receive him. He's here tonight. I believe Christ. Don't you? Yes, sir. There is a counterfeit, certainly. What makes it what makes the real real is because there is a counterfeit. If I've seen a bogus dollar, I know it has to be a real one that it's made off of. So certainly the devil gives impersonation, but there's a real genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit. A real a real resurrection of Lord Jesus who's true to his word. Every word he says, he's true. Now, let us be in prayer. Now, friends, one more thing. And then I think tomorrow night I'll just either preach or call the prayer line. I keep you too late. But I want to ask you something. How many was here at the meeting last night? Let's see your hands. How many was not? Let's see your hands. Oh, my. It's just, where's all that? was your life night? <laughs> well, here's what it is, friends. Let, listen, just a moment. If a man ever tells you that he is a healer, he's wrong. I'll have to take a moment to explain this to you newcomers. Listen, there is no man that's a healer. Christ is the healer. And it's only our faith in the finished work of Christ the Calvary. It's our personal faith. Salvation and healing and every redemptive blessing was included in every blessing in the redemption was everything that was caused in the fall. Everything we lost in the fall was restored to us in Calvary. What is sickness? Attribute of sin. So you can't deal with sin without dealing with sickness. Because sickness came after sin, which is an attribute of sin. That's exactly right. I don't say that God makes the people sick because you cross up your questions there like the Lutheran did. See? So you, you can't do that. If, if someone said the other day, a minister talked to me, he said, Oh, it's such a blessing, Brother Branham. Oh, the, I've seen the most patient people laying in wheelchairs and said, God wants them to be sick. He lets them be sick so he can show his blessing. I said, then if that's the truth, then Jesus Christ defeated the very purpose of God when he comes to earth. He healed everyone he come in contact with like I do. Right. Oh, brother, that's too thin. <laughs> See, it just don't work. You just might as well face the fact that you don't believe the Bible and just say so, and that's all. So, or you're afraid to step out and challenge God to his promise like Elijah did. That's true. Now, what is Christ? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he was here on earth, 
he did not claim to be a healer, did he? No, no sir. So it's not me, it's my father as well as me. He does the healing. Is that right? And when he stood there and they questioned him about the man of St. John 5, 19, we had last night packing his bed on his shoulder like this. And he was questioned about it when he went through all those afflicted people and healed this one man and walked away. He was questioned. And we went through that last night. How he'll be questioned here? But what did Jesus say? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. Is that right? But what he sees the Father doing. That doeth the Son likewise. How many Bible readers know that that's the truth? Jesus said that. Now, Jesus, according to his own word, did nothing until first he saw a vision of the Father doing it. Is that right? St. John 5, 19. Verily, verily, that's absolutely, absolutely I say to you, I do nothing in myself but what I see the Father doing, then I go do what he shows me to do. The Father worketh, I worketh hitherto. Now, just a moment, and we'll start the prayer line. When he was here on earth, he did not claim to heal the people. The only thing he did, he watched and seen what the Father told him. And the Father, one day, a Philip went and got Nathaniel 30 miles around the mountain, brought him back to where Jesus was when he was standing, just one quotation. And when he come back, Jesus looked and seen him. They might have been in the prayer line or out in the audience, wherever it was. Jesus looked at him, and he looked at Philip, Nathaniel, and he said, Behold an Israelite in whom there's no God. What astonished him. How did he know he was an Israelite, and how did he know he was a believer, an orthodox? Why, he said, how did you know me, Rabbi? He said, before Philip called you when you were under the tree praying yesterday, I saw you. Now, what did this, what did this Israelite say? He said, you're the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus said, because I told you that, you believe me, you'll see greater things than this. Now, what did a Jewish believer believe? The great high church as we have today. They said, he's a fortune teller. He's Beelzebub. Is that right? And said, that's what he is. He's a soothsayer, a Beelzebub. He's reading their mind. It's mental telepathy. What did Jesus say to him? He said, you say that against me, I'll forgive you. But when the Holy Ghost has come and does the same thing, if you speak a word against that, it'll never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. Because he said he has an unclean spirit. Is that right? Call him the works of God, an unclean spirit. Now, if he said, these things that I do, shall you also, I'll be with you to the end of the world. Now, that's either the truth or it's an error. I believe that he's raised from the dead. And if he comes tonight and does the same thing here amongst you people that he did when he was here on earth amongst groups like this, will you receive him? Will you say, I will receive him and believe him and believe that he's living and will give to me what I have need of? Now, it's hard after speaking or preaching the way I did to aim to speak that long. But it just happened that I did it. So now we'll ask God to be with us. Now I believe the boys give out a set of 100 cards. And last night we took the first part of them. And tonight let's start with the second part of the 100 cards. And we'll and tomorrow night we'll start from somewhere else in them. And the next night somewhere else. And just wherever we go like that. Now let's begin tonight with 50. All right? Let's look down on your prayer card and find out who has prayer card 50. Would you raise up your hand, someone? Lady, come right here. 51. Would you look at Brother Branham? It's submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit. Just giving yourself over. Now, no matter how much he tried to work with me, he's got to work with you too. If you can't submit yourself to him, then he can't work through you. It's your faith. It's your faith. 
And if you're ever healed, it'll be your own personal faith in Christ. It cannot be any healing that I have. Because men are not healers. Not even a doctor is a healer. There's not one medicine that'll heal. I'll prove that to you tomorrow. Now I want you to bring me the doctor that says that medicine does heal. Show you how funny he acts. <laughs> There's not one medicine that'll cure a simple bad cold. Thousands die every year with bad cold. Nothing. It'll cure. Christ is the only healer. I'm the Lord who heals all thy diseases. Never did a hospital, never did a medicine. God does it all. Give one this medicine, it'll kill him, and the other will get well. Same medicine, both same diseases. The Lord's the healer. Now, I, I, is this the patient, or are you the lady? Or you come here just a minute. <clears throat> now, I want to look through the prayer line first, right along here. Now, I'm a stranger to you people, not a stranger in a way of of brother and sister, but I'm a stranger to you as, as human beings knowing each other. I don't believe there's a person in the building I know except my brother sitting here, Gene, has taken the, the tape recording, my daughter-in-law there, and my son, Brother Joseph, and this Brother Hudson here. It's about the only ones that I see that I know in the entire church. Now, you don't have to be here on the platform to be healed. You can be healed right where you're at. You don't have to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit to get the platform. You can speak there. A woman went through the crowd one time and touched his garment, went back and sat down and denied that she did it. But Jesus said, I got weak. He looked around till he found her. And he told her that her blood issue was healed. Is that right? Sure. Now, is he the same today? If he is, he'll do the same today. Then we got a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. So he can heal today, you where you're at. All right. Now, the lady standing here beside of me is a stranger, and I don't know her. She doesn't know me. Therefore, we're just standing here. If she's a Christian, I'm a Christian. First time meeting in life. Here's a very picture, again tonight, of a Bible scene. A woman at the well. How many ever heard the story? Now, let's see if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Father told him to go up. He's going down to Jericho, but he went up the way of Samaria. And when he sat down on the well up there, a woman come out, which was a Samaritan, and uh, got given some water, and he said to her, bring me a drink. wonder why he said that. She said, it's not customary for you Jews to ask Samaritans such we have no dealings. He, he said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. He went to talking with her. Is that true? Get the conversation. What was he doing? Catching her spirit. Then he found what her trouble was. Did he? He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any husband. He said, that's right. You got five. And the one I have now is not your husband. Now, what did she say? Now, listen real close now. What did she say? You newcomers. She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, she said, we know when the Messiah cometh. He'll tell us these things, but who are you? He said, I'm he. If that was the sign of the Messiah then, it's the sign of the Messiah today. If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is that right? Now, here's exactly the same scene. Exactly. Now, here's a woman standing here. I, God sent me up to New York. I don't know. He just sent me up here. Here's a woman comes up on the platform. I've never seen her, know nothing about her. She's standing here. 
Now, the Messiah can, through a divine gift, come down and reveal to this woman what she's standing here for. What her trouble is, these things did to that woman. If he would do it, would it still be the sign of Messiah to you all? Would you believe it? You just never seen it. Would you believe it? Raise your hands and say, I believe it. Now, the lady be the judge. Now, if he knows you, sister, and you know I don't know you, do I? No, I'm a stranger. And if he can reveal to you your your trouble or what you're here for, I don't know. You know that. But if he can reveal through me, to me, what you're here for, would you believe that you would get what you asked for? You would believe it. Well, may the Lord grant it. I want everyone quiet now. Be real quiet. Be real rest. I just merely, the lady is conscious that something's going on. And if anybody, brother, have you ever showed the picture of that angel of the Lord yet here? They've seen it. Okay. Now that's just what's right around close to her now. See? Uh, light. It moves in. The lady comes in. If they can still hear me, the lady's going from me. And I see her. She's suffering with a tremendous nervous condition. Real, real nervous. And then she's got something on her hand. Not visible, but it's a breaking out. A rashing like that bothers her. It's caused from this nerve condition. That's true. Is that right, lady? If that's right, raise up your hand if that's right. All right. Now, do you believe? Now what? If, if I would talk to her more, more would be said. But it just breaks me into perspiration. It's a weakening. It's a vision. Now, right now, the only way that I know what was wrong with her is run that tape back and find it. Or what he said to her. But there was something. Now, just to talk with a woman so that you might know that there's something different. Just to talk to her, maybe he would show something else. It's just catching her spirit, yielding myself to the Holy Spirit, and him standing between us. Now, just yielding, and he takes me and just begins to use my voice talking. He said he set in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. So we can't say one and not the other. And I'm not much of a preacher, but I was called. This I was born to do. And all my life it's come. Never one time has it failed and never will. Because it's of God. Now, the lady, it seems like that he would speak with her again by his grace. She moves from me, and I see her again. She's walking the floor real nervously like, and she's looking on her hand. There's something on her hand which is a breaking out, a rashing. It's, and then she has something like a, a trouble in her head. It hurts like a, it's a sinus trouble she has in her head. And then again, she has a, she has a, a stomach trouble, which is a tumor in her stomach, and that was caused by a fall. Oh, Father, yes, right, Lord, yes, sake. Are you believing me to be a servant now? Oh, Lord, yes, Now, now that's him, the one who's at the well. Now, could I heal the woman? Certainly. I can pray for her. I can pray, but I can't. Now, let us pray for her. Heavenly Father, whatever this woman is in need of, if Satan has bound her, we, through the name of Jesus Christ, take the initiative. And ask for him to leave this woman. He be cast out in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I go rejoicing and being happy, lady. All right, lady. Now, that ought to settle it. 
or to settle it, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Bible said, if thou canst, you say, or oh, she's emotionally, probably if you was healed of the same thing, you'd be a little emotional too. If you was, if you was only standing with an open heart, what's the expression on their face on their face when they believe? They can't stand in that presence without knowing it. It's not me, it's him. Uh, now, as she's giving thanks to God, now I challenge every person in here, in the name of Jesus Christ, to look this way and believe with all your heart and see if God don't call you to you. I mean, how many has got a prayer card wants to be healed? Let's see your hand. Without prayer cards, raise up your hand everywhere. See? There you go. Well, it's just everywhere. Now you look this way. You without prayer cards, it's not going to be in the line. You just believe. Have faith. Now the little lady standing here is a stranger to me. I've never seen her in my life as far as I know. Are we strangers to each other? We are. Now if there's something wrong with you, I don't know it. But God does know it. He knows, he knows you before the foundation of the world. He knows everything that you've had in your life. He knows what you're here for. If he just tell me what, you, what you're desiring of him, would you accept it and believe it? Uh, if something that you, it may be finances, it may be domestic, it may, uh, don't, it may be sickness, uh, I don't know, he does. Now, the miracle is, now if I'd say, here's a man twisted up in a wheelchair, you could look and say, oh yes, sure, I see that. But here looks like a healthy woman, what's she here for? Maybe she's a deceiver. If it is, watch what happened to her, see? <laughs> see, if it would be, see? Watch what happened. How many ever seen it happen when a deceiver comes to platform? Yes, sir. One comes to the platform, tried to bewitch me one night. A guy went around the army, came storing spells on people, make them bark like a dog and things like that. And then the Holy Spirit turned around and said, you child of the devil? And he was paralyzed right there, and that's been three years, four years ago, and he's still paralyzed today. Hmm? Yes, sir. Don't you try. It's not playing church. You're in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Hmm? It's not man. It's him. We may be uneducated and a simple people, but that's what... God has called us to the ministry to do this, and this is his work. Now, the little lady, I, I wish I could help you some way, sister. If I could and wouldn't do it, I'd be a brute, you know that. But I, I want to help you. I, I want to see the Lord do something good for you. Now, if I, if I could just yield myself to the Holy Spirit, I'd say, now you are a Christian, because your spirit is coming to me. Now, now that I, I have your spirit under my control, see, you couldn't hide your life if you had to now, because it's before God. And I see that you are, you're real nervous too, and you got the, you, your trouble is, you got trouble with your head. It's in your neck and in your shoulders and back. It was caused from a fall you had and done that. That's right, isn't it? Do you believe with all your heart? You believe that you're healed now and going to be well? Come forward. Almighty God, creator of heavens and earth, author of everlasting life, bless this woman who I bless in thy name, and ask for her healing through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, God bless you. Go and may the Lord Jesus bless you and give you the best of his kingdom. Now, be real reverent. Don't just, just be real reverent. Believe with all your heart. Jesus said, I can if ye believe. But first, you've got to believe.
just a moment. If our colored brother there would just step back to one side, there's a vision moving right in there, right down there. It's a lady praying. I see it. Yes. Nervousness and female trouble. <clears throat> you believe that Jesus Christ makes you well? Right across. I lay your hand over on the on the lady next to you there. Right there. Right there. No, the lady next to you. That's it. See? No, the lady with the red hat on. Lay the hand on the lady right there. See. All right. Now, our heavenly Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask for this deliverance, and I pray that Almighty God will bring it to pass just now through the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I couldn't see but one woman, but this woman looked young and the other looked old, and I couldn't make out where it was at. And as up over the man, I could see the vision. It was a little lady sitting on the end. All right, you can get to your, your place now. God bless you, lady. Your simple little face touched his garment. Wasn't you sitting there praying for that end? You were sitting there praying for that, wasn't you? If that's right, Ray, stand up to your feet if you was praying for that so that people know that. that see? How would I know what she was praying about? Uh, praying for me to call you. That's the reason he did it. Amen. Now you're healed and you can go home and be well. Amen. God bless you. What did it? The woman touched his garment. She didn't touch me. She touched him. He just used my voice to speak back. We are the branches. He's the vine. It was his. Why don't you just use our voice as he uses our eyes and our hands and so forth? Now, the lady, here's a stranger to me. I don't know her, never seen her in my life. We're perfectly strangers. Are we? That's right. Now, I'm glad that the colored sister standing here calls these many colored people here tonight. And you can see that God is no respect of persons, nationality. He made us all. Our colors and things has nothing to do with it. He told the woman at the well, here's a perfect picture of the woman at the well again and again. Here's a white man and a colored woman. He's just exactly a Jew and a Samaritan. And today in the South they have a segregation like if they had then. They had a segregation then to Jews and Samaritans. But Jesus let her know that God didn't care about their segregation. God, when they talk, all men must worship him in spirit and truth. All right. Us being total strangers, knowing not each other, God knowing us both. If he will reveal to me what you're standing there for, will you believe it? Will the rest of you colored people believe it out there with all your heart if God will do this to your colored sister? All right. May the Lord bless it. Again, a contrast. Two nationalities of people, see what I mean. And the same Lord Jesus who loves us both. Your trouble is in your side. It's a, it's not big, it's a growth, a little fatty tumor. In your right side at the waistline. That's right. Maybe you put your hand on it before I spoke about it. May the Lord grant something else. So that the audience and the colored people will see that it's of the Lord Jesus. You believe with all your heart. You're not from right around here. You're from a place called Jamaica, New York. And here, your name is Esther and, and Lewis. Is that right? Is that right? You believe me? To, you say he knows Peter and him. You believe he's the same Christ? All right, go on your road, sister, and the Lord Jesus make you well. Yeah, believe with all your heart. You can have what you ask for 
If thou canst believe. Little lady sitting up praising the Lord. Sister, you suffer with a, a trouble that's uh, is sleepless, nervous. Take sleeping pills to go to sleep. Isn't that right? All right? Do you believe that Jesus Christ will make you well? You accept it? Sitting there praying and believing. Raise your hand up if that, that's right. All right. See? All right. Go home and sleep tonight. I send you in Jesus Christ's name. Have faith in God. Don't doubt, but believe. All things are possible to them that believe. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe. But first, you must believe. If you believe, lady, that hernia... And nervous trouble would leave you. If you believe sitting there with a red coat behind you, if you believe with all your heart, Jesus Christ will make you well. You say you're reading her mind? No, sir. Her face touched the Lord Jesus. That's right. If thou canst believe. The conditions are if you can believe. It's not for unbelievers. It's for those who will believe. Amen. Got a high blood pressure, haven't you? But if you'll believe with all your heart, Jesus Christ will make you well. Sitting next to you, you've got, like, got leg trouble, trouble with the legs sitting there, but Jesus Christ can make you well if you believe it. Amen. Amen. Very moves here. Yes, 
disturbing that I ain't the Bible. Like the Like that in a vision. 
I couldn't see the girl because of that. This looked like a call to Africa. And the Holy Spirit come down and told her that she had had an automobile accident and it severed the nerve in her head here and she could not hear or could not speak or could not move one side. And I said, Holy Spirit, if you'll make a sign before this massive audience tonight that you'll give this girl her perfect soundness, I will make arrangements to return to Africa and no more and said that to the girl, let out a scream and throw both arms loose and went perfectly normal with a severed nerve that's cut apart. Oh, and mother, 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 oh, so good like that again. Now, here stands a little boy. I don't know nothing about him. But now you're under promise to God, and I'm under promise to God myself as yielding. Now, sonny boy, I just want to talk to you. And not making you a, I just want to see the Holy Spirit heal everybody at once, you know, what I mean. All right. Now, the little boy, I'm just looking to you. Like Peter, James, and John, Peter and John passed through the gate called Beautiful in the Bible. And they said to the lame man, said, look on us. That don't mean to look to them to be something, but to pay attention to what they were saying. See, look on us. And Elijah the prophet said, If it wasn't I respected the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look to you. But he said, Bring me a minstrel. And the Spirit come on his muscles. He's got a muscle trouble. And he's been everywhere. I see him going to doctors, and the doctors don't even know what caused it or what it is. And I see him from hospital in and out of it's different hospitals. He's even had an operation for it. And nothing done him any good. It's a curse of the devil. That's true, isn't it, Sonny? Yeah. If that's true, raise up your hand to God. Now to heal him I can't. But God can. That's right. The boy's shadowed. See? But only God can make it. And you in this room, there's many here that's shadowed. But God can take the curse away. In my name they shall cast out devils. Jesus Christ is here. Do you believe it? Then let's all you receive him and be healed. Would you believe it, every one of you? While I pray for the lad then, you lay your hands on each other and let's see what the Holy Spirit will do. In the prayer line, everyone, lay your hands on them. Come here, lady. Bow your head. Everywhere, be real, real consecrated to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, the author of life, the giver of every good gift, send of thy blessings upon this people, and thou art here moving among the people, and the prayer line out in the audience, everywhere. And the people recognize that you are here. They know that man cannot do these things when it's been preached to them by the Bible, that Jesus of Nazareth has raised from the dead and showing himself alive. Here stands a little boy standing here, a little Ethiopian boy, and the devil has bound him. Oh, Satan, you've hid from the doctors, but you can't hide from God. I adjure thee by the living God to come out of him and leave this boy alone. Get from him. We come in the name of Christ, standing as a representative of Christ's death and vicarious suffering. Here is resurrection, and he's here in our midst tonight. And you know that, so you're exposed and come out of this audience. Leave this people, thou demon 
We have charged thee through Jesus Christ's name to leave the people that come out of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, everybody that bleeds with all your heart, keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. Say this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Move all the shadows out. This old moth-eaten robe of doubt. I cast it away. I wrap myself by faith in the Holy Ghost. I'm the seed of Abraham. I call those things which were not as though they